Coming to you from the foothills of Los Angeles, it's time for In My Voice with actress, voiceover artist, director, and coach, Kathy Grable. With over 20 years behind the mic, Kathy brings you a unique perspective of working VO actors whose voices you'll know, but their stories you probably don't. Now sit back and enjoy In My Voice. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is a familiar voice, and when I say familiar, you just heard him. Yes, our announcer, Brent Huff. He's a talented on-camera actor, voice actor, director, writer, producer, and yes, can't forget, a former model with the famous Ford Modeling Agency in New York City. Brent's career spans decades and has most recently been seen on the hit ABC show, The Rookie in the Role of Smitty. We sat down a couple of weeks ago. Listen in. Well, welcome, Brent. Brent well, Huff. Well, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me, Kathy. It's really fun to have you here. And if uh, Brent's voice sounds familiar, he is also the announcer for In My Voice. So, yeah, that was fun. Thank you. Yeah, those golden pipes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I this is going to be so much fun because we were talking this morning on the phone. I was like, we have to save it because it's like we're having a podcast right here. I always say that when I... Yes, it's, we've known each other for a while now, so it's good. We used to always see each other in the William Morris Endeavor office all the time and catch up. And so yeah. It was always fun. And dinner parties and all sorts of things. Right. So, yes. yeah, even on a set once. So that was fun. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, I adore I adore your wife and uh, your whole family. And uh, Brent, you're just so much fun. I always know I'm going to laugh. No pressure, but <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you get Brent and Greg going. It's really something. But anyway, I I'm just thrilled that you're going to be here. Uh, Greg's been saying for a while you should get Brent on here. I don't know how much Brent wants to say, but he's such a good storyteller. He has. You've done so many amazing things in this business. So I, I originally met you in voiceover, but we had so many connections. And then you're a director. Uh, you're an actor. Um, we'll talk about some of that as well. And I think voiceover actors are actors, but you've, you've done the whole gamut. So first of all, tell me how you got into this. How I got started. I've always wanted to be an actor since I was in high school and my high school that I went to in Springfield had a really good, has a really good theater de department. And in fact, Brad Pitt went to my high school. I, I should probably say I went to his high school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so it's a really good theater department. And then I loved acting. And then I went to the University of Missouri uh, for two reasons. One, to study acting and then to play basketball. So that those are sports and uh, acting was sort of my, um, my passion. And uh, so I went there and uh, then I came out to L.A. to pursue a career in acting. And this sort of went from there. And then I moved to New York to study with the best teachers I could. And I lived in Europe for a while. So uh, this business has had really given me so much opportunity. I'm so thankful for it because I've got to travel literally all over the globe doing what I love to do. Isn't so, that amazing? I mean, that's one thing I really did when I was younger as well is I would love to have a, you know, work where I could travel before not you know, I have some with a family, but for the most part, that was in my single days. And 
It was wonderful. Yeah, you got, you have to really enjoy the journey of being an actor. I mean, it's an actor's life. You give up security, but you also get to be creative like every day. And uh, and it's just uh, it's it's a great profession. And, you know, it's uh, it's the greatest when you're working. It's tough when you're not. And that's why I sort of diversified. And I would write scripts. I would direct movies. I direct documentaries. I do voiceovers, print work. But it's all sort of in the same business. And I just was very passionate about it. And I tell people, ask me, oh, you're still doing it. And I said, you know what? I'm getting better. Yeah. <laughs> so you can keep improving to the day I die. I'm going to still think I can get better. That's what keeps me going. You know, it's so true, Brent, because uh, my husband and I talk about this all the time, is that you can do this, you know, till the day you die. You really can. I mean, look at, at, at our lovely, wonderful Betty White, Sidney Poitier, all these people that we're still doing it up until the end and doing it so beautifully. And it really is a life journey type of thing. And I remember once somebody's mom was visiting at the agency, you know, we'd have, we did a lot of life together in the lobby and uh, someone came out of the booth and she looked at me and she said, you know, everybody's coming out so happy. They're all happy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we love what we do. We would come out laughing or sometimes they'd even have to tell us to be quiet. Right. Oh, a lot of times. Okay. It was. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting a little too loud out there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even even though it's soundproof. Well, I was wondering how, um, and I want to hear a little bit about New York, LA and Europe. I was wondering um, how the sports fit into the acting and, and how you've been able to use both of your passions. Well, it's a, it's a discipline thing. It was like uh, for me to play basketball, and I ran track as well at the University of Missouri. Uh, I was very disciplined and worked really hard, and I knew it wasn't going to come easy. Uh, and uh, when my athletic career ended, I knew that, you know, this is what I wanted to do. And I told myself I'm going to put just as much energy into this as anything else. And so I told myself, do what you need to do when you need to do it, even when you don't want to do it. Right. So I'm very disciplined with that, and uh, which is ironic because I'm a, I work very hard, but my character in the rookie Smitty is really lazy and doesn't work <laughs> doesn't work hard at all. So it like, shows what a good actor you oh, are. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that's a been a fun role because it's so not me. Uh, yeah. But anyway, but uh, that's where it's this discipline of sports uh, helped me a lot. Well, you know, I think that's so interesting because we do have such a good time and we're bringing, you know, everything from comedy to high drama, right, uh, in into our field. But it really is discipline and hard work. And I can relate with that even with music. I, I had 14 years of piano and it was very disciplined. It was an art form that I think really served me well. In fact, even with voiceover, I felt like there was some inner clock that I had that I didn't even realize I was developing. And we were so fortunate. I know we're both from the Midwest and we've talked about that, but just at least when we grew up and, and the schools that we were in, I came from school with very fine arts and, and programs as well. And I just was immersed in it and uh, at college too. So that's, that's so important. You don't even know what's developing inside of you as a, as a kid, right? right. When you're around all that creativity. Yeah. 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 So I know that you have directed um, some sports documentaries, and I want to talk about that a little bit, which is coming up. But have you also been cast in some roles where you've 
plays. It's funny. The very first role, this shows you how long I've been doing this business, but the very first part I ever played was in a basketball movie called Coach. Uh, which yes. Crosby played the coach. I played a high school kid, and I came into the audition. I didn't know any better. Right now, I wouldn't. I, wouldn't do it. <laughs> I came into the interview spinning a basketball on my finger because I could do that. Oh, and wow. Went, oh, you can do this. That, you know. And so um, that's I did it with Michael Bean, the actor Michael Bean. So that was my very first job coming here from Missouri. I thought, hey, this acting is it's pretty easy. You know, I got yeah. the second interview I went on. What's the big deal? And then I didn't work for like the next year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but I was very, you know, we'd go play basketball and then shoot a scene and go back and play basketball. And it was just a lot of fun. Uh, but I played, you know, you know in different sports and commercials. I did a Coke commercial with Charlene Tilden, who's from Dallas. And I was right. the quarterback and she was a cheerleader. So the sports <laughs> is, you know, it's, it's helped me over the years. Yeah. And even on the rookie, I would think, you know, that you're athletic, that you, it's a physical profession. So Right, right. Yeah, they haven't had me do too many physical things. So, But, uh, <laughs> but it's fun when I get to. Yeah, because everybody watched Smitty on The Rookie. That's why I said this is the time to, to do this because, right. I don't know, what's your pitch, Brent? It's funny. I'll be walking down the street and I'll hear uh, people yell out Smitty across, you know, across the street. And stuff, but it's just kind of like, you know, you we all know a Smitty. There's a Smitty in our office, you know, the lazy right. guy who tries to do anything to get out of work. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. So tell our listeners a little bit about about the role on The Rookie and what Smitty's doing this season. So if someone's not watching, I'm sure they will want to. <laughs> well, let's hope. Uh, it all started in season one, and it was about the you know 12th episode that I, I had an audition and I, lucky enough, I booked the role, but it was a one day part. And I went in, I had my scene, two scenes with Nathan Fillion, a super nice guy. We really hit it off, but it was just a, you know, it's kind of a one day thing. I'm like, man, that would be a great show to be on. And I had just done a, an arc on Shameless, which I also loved. Uh, so I did Shameless, you know, did three episodes that William Macy directed. And then I did this episode of The Rookie. And like I said, Nathan and I got along really well. And then they called, they put a pin in me, you know, for uh, another episode later in season one. And I didn't get it. Season two, they started having me back as a recurring role. But I thought that my part was going to be, I'm sort of this rough and tumble seasoned vet that doesn't like rookies. And I'm hard, you know, just kind of a hard ass. Uh, <laughs> but then they started writing all these funny lines. And like I lived in a trailer park. Uh, with a bunch of guys, I'm a divorce. I live in a trailer behind the station and uh, watch uh, girls softball and drink mojitos. And then I got a back tattoo and it just kept building up oh, this crazier and crazier stuff. I'm into goat yoga. I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> hilarious. And then this year, I had been the uh, the union rep for years, but of course, I'm so lazy, spending so yeah. to do anything. So Nathan ran against me. So it's been the whole competition. Nolan, Nathan's character, and Smitty, my character, were running against each other. And I was actually winning at a certain point. And then uh, I kind of cheated a little bit and got caught. And I didn't win. So, oh, spoiler. Oh, man. But I'm still on the show, so I'm still around. And there's uh, there's some new twists coming up with Smitty's character in the next uh, few weeks that are, that are pretty funny. Oh, that's great, Brent. That's great. Yeah, it's, you know, you would, you just play that role so well. 
Yeah, no, it's been great. I remember one day I was in my dressing room. They called me, and I step out, and I'm looking face-to-face with Pete Davidson. He he's, plays Nathan's brother, and I oh, he wow. was really cool. Hey, I'm, you know, I'm Pete. And ben, you know, so it, it's been good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think it's so important. I've been hearing that more and more about people that say, well, I went in, and I thought it was a one-day thing. You know, when, uh, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know if I, I want to do just one-liners or one day or, you know, a day player, sometimes they call it. And uh, I know I just heard that Sex in the City, Big's wife. Anyway, she said, I went in, I was just a, a one-day player. And uh, then they ended up, you know, she was Big's wife and went for years and she got the next thing and. It's the, it's the crazy thing about this business. It's like a voiceover. You go for, you know, you have a bunch of auditions and you just never know which one's going to hit. I've had, you know, just regular auditions that end up being a gig for nine years, you know, yeah. things like that. And you just never know. And it's almost like panning for gold, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, when you're out there. But if you stay prepared and just try to improve in your craft, uh, you know, your luck gets a little stronger. And, and, but, that's the fun thing about this business. They can turn on a dime. It yeah. really can. And, you know, we've been up and down as well. And just when you think, okay, it's like something great will happen, isn't it? Always. And I tell you, if you ever want to book a job, buy a non-refundable airline ticket to someplace. Absolutely. get a job. <laughs> Absolutely. In <laughs> fact, I have gotten a job on the way to the airport twice yeah. Uh, once I dropped something off at my agent, the other time was something I'd booked and they called and, and they'd okayed it, everything. And it was right before yeah. Christmas and we were going to be gone Friday through Monday because the way Christmas hit that year. So I'm like, okay, there's no way I'm driving. And we were driving to Vegas because we got a better deal on a ticket. You know, when a smaller, the smaller markets, sometimes they, they flew. So and uh, on the way, she's like, uh, they rewrote one line. Can you do it? And I'm like, can I do it on my iPhone? Which they might not have noticed, but I was like, they said, no, we need you to be in a studio. And we literally saw Best Buy as we were, and it was, I had thought inside, I should listen to my intuition. I think I should travel with the mic, but it's Christmas weekend. And this business really does shut down between Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. That's the one week I know it'll shut down. And so, um, <laughs> and our agency would even shut down. So I go, Craig, there's a Best Buy. And we, cause we'd been calling all these studios in Austin. They were all booked. And I was like, I'll take the hit money wise. Cause I, you know, at that point I wouldn't really make much for that session, but it was a client. So we pulled off the, you know, the exit. I ran in, bought a mic. We jumped on the plane, got to Austin. We were at Greg's friend's house. I said, can I go in the closet and record this line? They said, yeah, sent it. They loved it. It was done. But, you know, it's just, it's so true. And also I have a friend who is an agent that said it happens so often that they actually took a statistical analysis in just their agency. How many people got jobs when they went out of town? And it is higher. Like, it's a funny thing. It's uh, one time my wife and I, we decided we needed to take a break. So we, we you know, we roided ourselves and we went to Hawaii. We landed in Hawaii. I got a call from our agent, Eric, in Hawaii saying that uh, uh, 
I need, I booked a job and I need to record it like the next day. I said, I'm in Hawaii because we'll find a place. Yeah. So I found a television station in Honolulu. And so I went to the television station and recorded this voiceover. And uh, in Hawaii, Pete Sepanik was in Hawaii at the same time. And he ended up booking a job and he was at the same television station. That's hilarious. I mean, what are the chances? But uh, yeah, it's good. And did you know that Pete was going to Hawaii too? I knew he was going to Hawaii. We were going to try to meet together in Hawaii. And then he said, well, I have a voiceover. I said, I do too. Where are you going? And we could have actually carpooled yeah. to a hotel to go to this <laughs> place, but we didn't know. But, uh, oh yeah. I mean, how many times have I had my phone, like where I'm someplace and I have to pull over in the car and, you know, cause I need it within the hour and I'm on the you know, twisted wave and, you know, yeah. As you know, you, if you're away from traffic, a car's got pretty good acoustics. Right, right, so actually, fun, yeah. yeah. I um, and and you know, you could think, oh, we're more relaxed and all of that, but I could tell you some sad times too, where you know I was on my way to a memorial service or something, and I got a job as well. So it's not always like, oh, you know, you try to put some rhyme or reason to it, and um. <clears throat> It's so it's 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 just life, you know. It's the life of an actor, I guess. Maybe we should try booking t- trips all the time. We'll, oh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll beat the system. Hey. <laughs> That's a good idea. There you go. All right. So when you said a voice for seven nine years, you have, as you guys are probably realizing and listening to Brent's voice, which I always say it's not about the voice. It really is acting, mm-hmm. and I approach it. Much like Brent, I think, in the fact that I always approached it as an actor. And very similar background as far as I was doing a lot of on camera. I did theater. Voiceover was another way to make a living. Then it was like, oh, this is great. I had kids. It it worked out. It worked in my life very, very well. And I loved it. Um, And uh, so we approach it both, I think, from that standpoint. But at the same time, you do have this amazing, I would cast you as an announcer, I think, as well as, as a, you know, other character parts and things. So tell us some of the voice over announcer jobs or just jobs you've had over the years. Well, the, one of the good jobs that I had, I was the voice of Raytheon for nine years and they used me all the time I was there. And, uh, you know, so that was a great job to get. Uh, I was the voice of E Entertainment for a while, the voice of Jack Daniels for a while. Um, Arby's, you know, you get, you get these clients and, you know, sometimes they run as much as like nine years in my case. And, uh, but they come along every once in a while and, and you, you know, then there's other ones that you didn't quite get and you hear that they're still on the air. Um, but, uh, I have kind of a certain type that I would always get called in to do the Tom Waits thing or the, you know, the, if I wanted to do country, Sam Elliott kind of thing. So that, that's, so I don't, I'm not one of these voiceover actors who could do all these characters and, you know and voices, which, uh, God bless the ones that who can do it. Uh, I can do a really good Southern Texas accent, but anything other than that, it's like, you know, forget it. Which probably uh, works with your voice type pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, military stuff and cops and, you know, authoritarian figures, that kind of stuff I book. But, uh, you know, I'd love to be able to do like where it's like all these voice, you know, voices. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not that guy. Well, you've also had a modeling career. Is that correct? Is that New York yeah, and yeah, Europe? It's, well, that's how I ended up in Europe. So it was a really strange thing. I was living out here in L.A. trying to be an actor. I was struggling, of course. I was working a graveyard shift at a dairy in downtown L.A. And there was a dairy there. No cow. Wow. You put the milk and stuff. And I had to take the bus all the way from Santa Monica there, graveyard, and come back. I mean, it was it was brutal. And then I got a job uh, at the Huntley House Hotel in Santa Monica, which is right down from the uh, Third Street Promenade. And so this is years ago. So I'm walking down the street and uh, this woman comes up and asks me if I'm a model. And I said, no, no, no. Yeah, would you like to be? Nah, well, come to the office. It actually was Eileen Ford, who is the oh, president wow. of the model agency. And she was with Nina Blanchard, who's also a big model agent here in town. They're like sister agencies. So she said, right. come to Nina's office. And so I went to the office and uh, they said, bring a swimsuit. So I came in a swimsuit. Anyway, I booked this job and I'm with all these cute girls in a swimsuit for the day. I think they paid me $280, which was about what I was making in the week at the Huntley House Hotel. Right. And I'm like, hey, I'm a model. <laughs> <So> <laughs> this is a pretty good job. So I do that. And then they sent me to New York and I started working in New York. And then I did the Milan, Paris, the whole European modeling thing and it was such a you know it's it's a great career for some and not for others there's the dark side of modeling and there's a great side of modeling and i directed a, a documentary called chasing beauty about right. the model industry and the ugly side of being pretty mostly you know for the girls and uh, it did really well it was the number one documentary on itunes for a month and uh it really took off because people are fascinated by that world Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty unforgiving world, you know, it's yeah. like uh, not everybody can, you know, I'm speaking mostly about the girls, you know, that not everybody's 5'10", a size zero, and you know, mm -hmm. it's, uh, but it's, it was, that's one of the reasons, but I got to travel the world in the modeling career, and then that's what kind of got me my first acting role in Paris, and you know, uh, first big acting role, and so it kind of took off from there. Wow, that's really mm -hmm. interesting. Well, tell us a little bit um you said you did the Milan Paris thing. Mm -hmm. What would you say that is? Like, were you doing runway? Were you doing? Most I did both? runway. I did runway for like Versace, but all the big designers are over there. Like uh, my agent would say, I was with fashion model agency and they'd say, you have a um, interview, uh, Giorgio Armani. I said, okay, who do I talk to? Giorgio Armani. That's who you're meeting. <laughs> wow. Oh, and Johnny Versace. So I'd go meet Johnny Versace and Donatella, his sister. And then uh, you go down to uh, Rome and do uh, Valentino. But you'd actually, because that's where the industry was. And it was like, in Milan, it's not that big of a city. and But you'd meet everybody. And so right. we'd be on the subway and stuff. And there's all these Americans that I knew from L.A. and New York. And it was just a great time. And then there was a bunch of us guys that we, uh, there's a big park uh, Parco Castello, I think it's called, but there's a basketball court in the middle. And we played basketball all day against Italian guys. And then we'd go do our modeling gigs and you'd work all the time. You know, you'd wow. be on the train going everywhere. It was just like, uh, it was a great life for a while. Yeah. 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 How many years were you there? I was only there like two years. And that's when I got the acting thing. And I go, oh, that's what I wanted to do anyway. So it was right. just like, but it helped me be comfortable in front of a camera. Right. Right. Yeah. For sure. I would think. Yeah. And then, um, so what was the big job in Paris that you got? I did this weird, crazy French movie called the perils of Gwendolyn with Tani Katane. 
and they'd seen all these people all over the world, and so they knew that I was in Milan, and uh, I went out to L.A. Uh, for the reading, and then they flew Tani and I over to Paris again to screen test us. So we did the screen test, and it has working out this, that, and the other. And anyway, we both got it, and it was Tony was like only twenty-two or twenty-one or twenty-two at the time, and uh, it was our first big. You know, we, we were the two leads to this yeah. uh, at the time. It was like a seven million dollar movie in France, which was a big budget back then. Right. And it was like, uh, and it's this swashbuckling, but it's weird. It's sort of like Raiders in the Lost Ark, but then I'm captured in the city of women, and it was like. Uh, <laughs> That Kathy could happen. That sound, yeah. So I go, wait, Captain City of Women, I'm in. You know, <laughs> have they have they been reading my diaries? No. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then, weirdly enough. I got cast in a movie, Buenos Aires, Argentina, when I'm capturing the city of women. I guess that was my thing for a while. So it's uh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not in that age category. Where you <laughs> I know, I know what you mean. I remember um, um, getting this call that uh, they said you have to be in a swimsuit, and I was like, I don't know. It was just I was at that age where I'm starting to go really, and before I could say anything, they said, "And don't worry, you're a mom." And I was like, okay, I get it, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I'm like five three, and so I always went up with the models, and I did a lot yeah, of print, yeah. but um, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't five ten, and so that was always like I I could play certain things, mm. and then I just remember when she went, oh, don't worry, you're a mom. I just thought, okay, pressure's off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not asking me to take my shirt off so much anymore. So it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's kind That's of like so the progression of your acting career. You know, it's like I started off, I got to play the leading man a lot. And then as a girl, I'm the bad guy. And now I'm the funny guy. So yeah, like, yeah. 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 Just uh, you can play all these different stuff. Yeah, that's so true. The other thing I think is funny about modeling is I was with an agent here. I gotten hadn't been here that long. Came from the Dallas market and I'd done quite a bit of modeling there. So it was one of my first voiceover agents and I gave her my demo and she said, I said, you have a voiceover department, right? And I'll never forget. She called because I was there. She didn't say she'd listen to my demo. She just said, I have a girl here in the modeling department and you've got to sign her in voiceover. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Cause I'm like, we, we brought, we both probably dubbed people who are models. I've dubbed some of those, um, you know, hair, Mm -hmm. commercials and things yeah. like that because they didn't like the model's voice. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, so did you meet Sean while you guys were modeling? Cause she was a model as well, right? Yeah. My wife is a model. And so Nina Blanchard, who was the agent out here, she was a big model agent at the time. Uh, she called me up and said, I've got uh, tickets to this uh, charity event and we'll pick you up in a limo. This, that, and the other. we got three male models and three female models. And so I, uh, got picked up in the limo and, and there was my wife and we just sort of connected right then and there and uh, that we've been together ever since that night honestly really yeah. oh that's so yeah. cool so it was uh it was really good and then nina blanchard was at our wedding when we got married and um yeah so that's really i'm neat. still good friends with a lot of my you know like joey hunter who was the president of ford men president ford models and the head of ford men i'm still friends with him 
Oh, that's great. Uh, great guy. So it's, it's sort of like we all kind of stuck together. Right, right. It's I like really. The voiceover world, you know. Yeah. The people in. I really miss that William Morris lobby, you know, that we got to see everybody and, you know. I do too. Good friends there. Yeah, really good friends. Um, I think, you know, we're recording this as we're still coming out of COVID a little bit. It's Omicron now, and we're hoping for better days. And there are things going on in person, obviously, when you're shooting the rookie and stuff. But for voiceover, we really are missing that because everything is primarily at home, at least for auditioning. And um, yeah, but even other things, I mean, we're self-taping on camera. And so we used to, I said, I used to drive a hundred miles a day, easy, you know, one part of the city to the other, you're booking a job, you're auditioning, you're auditioning. And sometimes you'd call a casting place and say, oh my gosh, you got one more. Can I just hop in? And, and they go, yeah. And uh, you know, those, those days are very different. Yeah, no, I don't remember. I remember the days when you'd be in a suit for your first audition, and then you're driving to your second audition. You're supposed to be a cowboy, so you're putting that on in the car. Oh yeah. And then you had a swimsuit. You have all these looks in your car, and this, that, and the other. You see, uh, you know. Oh yeah, I always had always had things packed, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so we true. We had our Thomas guide. Oh yeah. yeah. Now, eight by ten head. You actually had your headshots. Yeah, I must say, Brent. As much as we go like the Thomas guy and all that, that was a while ago. But but the whole um, William Morris lobby, all that. I mean, COVID's what shut all that down. Yeah. So that's really yeah. not that long ago. That's just times have changed. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago, next month is when it yeah. all changed. It was like yeah. it changed quickly. It sure did. It's interesting. I've been looking through old emails uh, on the phone. I keep seeing January 2019, February 2019, all these things like, you know, that was just so normal. And then you go, wow, we didn't know a few weeks later, you know, getting together with people, um, bookings that I had, uh, let's meet for lunch, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. I went, wow, it was, and even doctor's appointments, because I had friends too that said, oh, I had my annual this or that, that week. And I'm like, I had a couple of those too. And it was, it was just so interesting. Everything shut down, but um, weird, all right. times. weird yeah. times, but we are, we are survived and some great creativities mm-hmm. come out of it. I wanted you to talk a little bit um, from the modeling. We'll get to voiceover too, but there's two films, documentaries that you've done that I think are so interesting. You talked a little bit about Chasing Beauty, which I would highly, highly recommend. Is there anything more you want to say about that? No, it's like, um, no, I, I just wanted to give a, a an on, my honest view, from my point of view, what it was like. I saw some bad things happen and I mm-hmm. saw some really good things happen. And I guess it's that way with a lot of things in life, but it was just such a, it's such a different world that you're living in. But it was, uh, I just sort of wanted to pull back the curtain on what that world was like. And some people critique me that I wasn't hard enough. And then some have critiqued me that I was too hard, but I just, that's my point of view. So. And where could we see that now? Uh, it's still like on iTunes. It was on Netflix for a while. It's not on Netflix anymore, but iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime, you can see it on. Okay. That wasn't what I was thinking of, but you can see it on Amazon Prime. Okay. The other one I wanted to talk about, which is recent, is there's a basketball me- movie 
Let me say that again. There's a basketball movie that is kind of circling back to your sports days, your love of that. And also your daughter was a wonderful basketball player as well. Correct. Yes, my, I love basketball. So my daughter, you know, my daughter's 5'10". She played high school basketball. She played a year in college. She, she didn't love it as much as I did, and that's why she's no longer doing it. But she was athletic and became a very popular spinning instructor, uh, both in New York and L.A. So uh, the athletics uh, stayed with her. But um, when in Springfield, Missouri, there was a college, Southwest Missouri State, it's called, it's a mid-major, but there was a girl from Claflin, Kansas, not too far from where you grew up. Right. Population 600, tiny town. They don't even have a restaurant in this town, not a McDonald's, nothing. They have nothing. And this undersized girl named Jackie Stiles dreamed of being the greatest basketball player in the world. And with hard work, grit, and dedication, she became just that. Wow. So she was recruited. She averaged 47 and a half points in high school, if you can imagine that. Wow. Unbelievable. And she was recruited and signed a letter of intent to play with Gino Ariema at UConn. She uh, passed some of the uh, Tennessee wanted her, but she decided to head to Springfield and play for Southwest Missouri State. And her dad said, well, you'll never be in the All-American. You'll never be in the Final Four. But she led this team to a sort of a Cinderella story. So where they went to the final four, they beat Duke. She scored 41 points wow. against Duke. They, uh, she played in Washington against the University of Washington. She was so good that Washington fans gave her a standing ovation. It's just an incredible story. Anyway, she set the all-time scoring record for the NCAA, and she held that record for 16 years. And if you were to see her in person, you would never in a million years think she'd accomplish what she did by looking at her. Because you yeah. go, oh my, you know, because she's, you know, blends in. Uh, just, but it shows what hard work, dedication, and uh, the will to win can do. Yes. And it was, a, I can't imagine a better uplifting story. So I wanted to tell it. I got Jackie on board, and we're going to premiere it. In Springfield, Missouri, uh, on March 1st, which is the 21st anniversary of when she broke the NCAA record. So I'm wow. very proud of that film, and uh, uh, I'm amazed at what this girl accomplished. And it's uh, she's an inspiration to not only myself, but a lot of people in the Midwest. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a, and you know, a, I'm from like a two-way school, mm-hmm. and uh, Moundridge, Kansas had incredible sports or basketball school. Well, and a football school, I would say, but um, girls and and men. And uh, I wore this T-shirt once in L.A. And people were like, what school is that? Because there were just so many broken records of like, you know, oh, 15 years of championships and all of this. And uh, and really, they were that way across the board, even in artistic endeavors and we would end up playing 5A schools and doing all that. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. You and and I think even this podcast sometimes I want to say people's stories are so interesting. It doesn't matter where you come from a lot of times. It Well, this but, is a crazy story. You know, she's from this small town and then and you're from Kansas. In fact, the Wichita Relays were a really great track meeting. Yeah. Kansas. But uh, for the state finals in track, all the size schools compete against each other. Right. So she went there Jack, from this little town, Claflin, Kansas. Now get this. She won the 400. She won the 800. She won the uh, mile and the two mile in the same day. Wow. So she would be running the mile and they're calling in the check-in for the two mile. 
And she, I mean, think about that. Think about what that takes in a town, in a state like Kansas to win, you know. So she could have been an Olympic athlete. Oh, yeah. But it was, it's just, this incredible. And to this day, if I were to call Jackie right now, I guarantee you she's on a treadmill. She's working out. It's just sort of like a passion addiction. I don't know what it is, but, you know, she's still like in incredible shape. You know, it's like. Wow. That's amazing. I look forward to seeing that. Well, uh, you have another film coming out in a week. Yeah, February 19th, I've got a kid's film coming out. And it's all these really wonderful actors, these kids. And one kid was um, one of the dancers on America's Got Talent. He's an unbelievable dancer. And there's a dog in the movie. It's a, you know, oh. it's a kid's movie. It's a talking yeah, dog. Yeah, He was one of the finalists. The dog was on America's Got Talent. And then I've got this huge <laughs> YouTube star who's kind of polarizing named Jake Paul. So, you know, but... I will tell you this, my experience with Jake Paul could not have been better. He was very prepared every day, very respectful. The kids loved him. On the last day of filming, he brought in a gourmet uh, ice cream truck for all the kids, and they were just hanging on him. And now he's had this incredible career as a boxer. But, wow. you know, but, uh, you know he's, he got a reputation. But like I will say, you know, he was uh, could not have been more professional when I worked with him. Oh, that's great, Brent. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that film as well. I'm going to circle back a little bit to voiceover because when we were talking about that, um, and then Brent and I are going to play a little bit with some voiceover scripts, but um, because that's a medium that we're in right now. But um you you said told me something that you have had to deal with with voiceover and scripts in general, and I think it's pretty inspirational. So I'll let you tell that. Well, I grew you know back when I was growing up, they didn't really, but I have ADD, so I'm very you know I'm just my attention goes all over the place, and I've got dyslexia. And in fact, I wrote a movie called uh, Welcome to Paradise, which was basically my life story. I'm a preacher's kid that played basketball and has dyslexia. And so that's in the script. And I wrote it about because you didn't really want to talk about it. You were embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed when I was oh, yeah. reading class because I'd mess up the words, this, that. And, the other. and so, it, you know, it's still there and it's still something I have to deal with. And so... A lot of times when I get scripts, I want to get them in advance and just memorize it, memorize it. So I don't have to like think about it. And then some words will still trip me up. They're called word blocks. And you'll, you know, blurt something out that's just, wait, where did that come from? Kind of thing. So it's, you know, it's an embarrassment that I have to deal with. But, you know, uh, how it affects me in voiceover, like when I'm doing um, doing a scene in The Rookie, I know it, you know, by the time I, you know. But right. with voiceovers, a lot of times, you know, in the lobby, they'll come in, you're going to do a group read, and they'll just hand me the script. Right. And a lot of times, I'll be the voiceover at the end of the script, and all these actors are playing, and then I've got to come in and, and hit the, you know, hit the legal and voiceover at the end, and I just be filled with pressure because of my reading ability. Right. Uh, jump over. So it's just something, you know, we all have our things we have to deal with, and that's mine. So. Right. But I think that's really inspirational because, well, one thing about the way things are now, we do get scripts ahead of time a bit because, I mean, we do get things where it's like, have this in in an hour. But like I said, when we'd go in, there were times they'd just hand us another one or here's a stack or, hey, can you read on this, which is great. So I would think that would have been tougher than challenging. Yeah, challenging. You know, when you're in the booth, they go, hey, you know, Kathy, we got another script for you right here. And you're like, "Uh," you know, and- There are people who can just like, you know, 
Nathan, I've seen him work, you know, I've worked, uh, I've filmed many scenes with him, and they'll give him a rewrite or something like this, da 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 got it. Boom. I mean, it, it's like a photographic memory. He, he, he's amazing with that. I wish I had that talent, but uh, I don't. But uh, it's, 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 pretty, uh, it's pretty impressive to see. Yeah. But he's been doing this for so long, you know, it's just like, you know. Well, that's the thing, too. Um, but I have to say, I've always been a really good cold reader. And I think I never even thought of that till I did voiceover. And so I think, wow, that would be something. I mean, we all have something. We all do. And I think it's, it'd be so interesting if people knew all the things, you know, because you're you're right. We kind of don't want people to know a lot of that stuff. We always have to be on and all that. But um, yeah, so that's really interesting that, you know, you, you were able to do all this and figure it out. And I, I think sometimes if you're in a profession where you have to, it's really a plus in the long run in your, in your personal life too. Yeah. No, you can, you can be proud of yourself when you do it. And then sometimes you get a little insecure and you get that, um, uh, imposter syndrome where oh, yeah. I hope people don't find really know what I'm like. You know, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. true. So yeah. true. Well, um, are you ready to uh, play with some of these? Oh, yes. Brent? And Brent's a wonderful director. I was thinking, gosh, I, I'm looking forward to We've worked together. Um, it's so funny because Brent did a project for us and you were the narrator and I didn't even know about the dyslexia. And you had, how many pages was that? I don't know. I was it was a thinking. few. Yeah. <laughs> did you see the sweat? <laughs> No, it was just so funny because I was, you told me that today and I was like, oh my gosh, that must have been. Something yeah, you, I got, yeah, no, I, I did okay on that one. But, you uh, sure yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I gave it to you ahead of time. So that yeah, was good. You did. Now this is really, when I say these are cold, they really are cold. Okay. Um, we, I know for me, I, these are things I looked at a long time ago. I looked at them very, very shortly and we talked about, and actually there's two here that, I don't know, let's play with both of them. Okay. You want to be a dog or a Victorian? Um, yeah. So this first, first one, we're, we're both dogs, right? Okay. Yeah. We're okay. both dogs. Okay. And uh, I always say that your script or copy, like we talk about in voiceover, is actually a map. You know, there's so many things, little clues. We don't know a lot. This one, fortunately, there was a storyboard, which we often don't get, um, and it's called Park Partner. So there were, it's a campaign. There's probably different ones, right, Brent? Yeah, I assume, yeah. Yep. So uh, Brent is cast as the big dog. I'm cast as the little dog. Okay. Are we ready? We are ready. Looks like someone's getting some love. Yeah. Dave just gave me the Seresto collar. Nice. Welcome to the eight months of flea and tick protection. So, me and the boys are about to go dig the biggest hole in the history of holes. You in? Wish I could, but Dave hasn't had a date in nearly a year. Ah, gotcha. Showtime. <laughs> so <laughs> brilliant, right? No. So what would you do different, do you think? Well, I don't know. What I do is I try to, it's just like with the acting stuff, like the voice it's acting. Uh, I know I picture the dog. So I didn't picture right. just a big dog. You know, I picture what you look like as a little dog, but I picture right. me as this big, almost like a St. Bernard 
that drools and he's kind of got the hound dog face right, you know, right. Kind of thing. So it's not just, I'm just, you know, I actually picture that and I picture, picture the scenario we're at, you know, like we're in the park and here's, you're the cute little maybe chihuahua and I'm the, you know, the drooling, you know, yeah. St. Bernard. Yeah. yeah. Like we're getting some little, you know, kind of right, thing. right. Come, come with us, you know. So that's sort of how I approached it. I agree. I think that's, I always say, you know, how would the dog bark? How would they, you know, how would they pant? How, you know, all the little dog things. So I love that, like with the jowls and everything. I'm going to try a little bit different dog than I did last time. <laughs> okay. So we get to try something. So I'll do a little different too. It's okay. Okay. Looks like someone's got some love. Let me do that. Okay. Looks like someone's getting some love. Yeah, Dave just got me the Seresto collar. Nice. Welcome to the eight months of flea and tick protection. So, me and the boys are about to go dig the biggest hole in the history of holes. You in? Well, wish I could, but Dave hasn't had a date in nearly a year. Ah, gotcha. Showtime. So that's a fun thing. We can just keep, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's try Let's try it one more time. We can do, uh, if we want to try a different dog, but let's put a button on it. Okay. Sometimes you talk about putting a button on it. Like we can. Uh, All right. Okay. Looks like someone's getting some love. Yeah. Dave just got me the Soresto collar. Nice. Welcome to the eight months of flea and tick protection. So... Me and the boys are about to go dig the biggest hole in the history of holes. You in? Oh, wish I could, but Dave hasn't had a date in nearly a year. Ah, gotcha. Showtime. Showtime it is. <laughs> so, can I walk you home? Yeah, looks like it'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So that's really, that's fun. You can add. And I felt like I got into it more and I loved what you were saying. Cause that's, that's usually the kind of thing I say is, you know, what kind of dog are you and all of that. And you saying that really reminded me more of, of that kind of thing. It reminded me actually of a different dog, a friend of mine's dog. Yeah. You come with a dog, you come up with a scenario too. And it could be cold weather. It could be hot right. in the summer and you're panting, you're hot. Hey, you know, it's like uh, all these different things that, you know, because they never give you, it's the same with uh, TV and movie scripts. They never give you enough. I mean, they give you right. sort of character description, but it's up to us as actors to fill it in more and more, right. more, 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 you know, and it's like uh, sort of get our, you know, background, our biography, you know, where we're from, you know, and we could get, you know, they could have been New Yorkers, these dogs right, from the South. Right. You know, there's just all these different ways to play. And then, of course, the director's going to give you notes and say, no, I don't see it that way. But I try to come in. I'm I'm going to go in willing to fail. Right. You know, willing to fail to fail big, you know, rather than to play it safe. And, you know, and they say if it's too much or this, that, you know, they'll tell you. Well, and I, I think that's so important, Brent, willing to fail, because I think sometimes when we start out and we get a role and you go, oh, man, this is this is easier than I thought. And then you don't get a role and you're getting all this advice and you're getting all this direction, which is great. And I always tell people I'm working with, directors are going to direct you. Don't always assume you're doing it wrong. Sometimes you've gotten and they have another idea. Sometimes you gave them the idea. And I think. 
that's so important, but I think we can all get into that pleaser thing a little bit, especially because I think you and I've talked about this. I feel like it's th- more throwing spaghetti at the wall than it used to be. And so there's just more people in it, all of that. And so it's really easy to kind of play it safe. And if you don't go boldly, doesn't mean it's not coming from a true place, but yeah, if you play it, because what happens a lot of times when you're doing a voiceover, the clients can be in another city, you know, or they're right. someplace else. And there might be eight clients in the room listening to you and they're all listening. So if you think about it this way, they're all going to try to critique me. I'm just going to try not to mess up. Yeah. And that's the, you know, if you go, I just hope I want to do what they tell me to do and, you know, mess up because you got eight different opinions too. Right. And right. so I know on the director's side, this is what's helped me as an actor, be on the director's side, I know that the producers are expecting me to direct. So right. even if you, you know, so, you know, as you want to give some direction, you just go, hey, everything's good because in the client, you know, because the director's trying to save their job. Right, right. You know, so it's it's all this kind of stuff. And so a lot of times, and I'm sure you've been through this, you start off one thing and you get all this different direction. And by the end of an hour, you're back to where you were. Right, right. Yeah. But Very much like, so. In this town, I always say pleasing is poison. So right. you go in there trying to please, you know, I'm trying not to mess up. Then, you know, go, go bold, you know. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, and even when you talk about directing from an objecting standpoint, I've had, you know, directed 15, 20 actors at a casting place. You know, they're going to call in the 20 best, right? They mm-hmm. they're all could get the job. And it's amazing how many come in because we don't hear each other's auditions. How many come in doing the exact same thing with the exact same pause? Because we kind of know how it should be read, right? And yeah. it, it, that was really a big aha for me because I'm like, wow, make now I get why make it your own even more, right? Yeah, because yeah. so many people go in with the same choices and stuff. So it doesn't mean be different to be different because I think you can get into, you know, you want it to be authentic for whatever your choice is, mm-hmm. but make it boldly. So long as there is a reason why you're doing it the way you are. Right. Let's say that I did the St. Bernard because I just think they're funny and the slop. Yeah. I think yeah. that's funny. Uh, so that's why I did it. I didn't just like, you know, pull something out for no reason. Right. You know, he's kind right. of lazy. You know, he's this guy, you know, but he's a not, you know, you don't ever think of a mean St. Bernard. Right. You know, right. They're, they're lovable. Yeah. And so that's, there's a reason I picked that. And so even with the, any kind of acting, if there's a reason you do something, this is why I did it. Okay. Right. Then right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I had an idea just for fun. Okay. So, and sometimes we do this, we'll give them a couple of takes and I'll say, uh, I have another idea. Mm-hmm. You know, they get what they want. You say, I have another idea just for fun. Yeah. Right. So, um, he's got a little Smitty in him. And, uh, I liked when you said the Southern, I'm going to play her a little bit more like a Southern bell, I think. Do you want uh, you want dog too? You want my dog a southern too? It's up to you. I'll let you I'll decide. Let you just it's different. I think different because I think yeah. that's her yeah, thing. Okay. <laughs> All right, ready? Yeah. Looks like someone's getting some love. Yeah, Dave just gave me this Seresto collar. Nice. Welcome to the eight months of flea and tick protection. Oh. Me and the boys are about to go dig the biggest hole in the history of holes. You in? 
Oh, my, my, I wish I could. But you understand, Dave, bless his heart, hasn't had a date in nearly a year. Oh, is that right? Okay, mm-hmm. I got you. Showtime. Yes, it is. Hey, could I buy you a sarsaparilla? Ooh, I love sarsaparillas. It kind of tastes like root beer. <laughs> That was fun. That was fun. So it it gives, and I think sometimes when you hear actors or you're in a workshop or a workout group, it's like gives ideas. Like you're, I could do that. Oh yeah. I could. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. And I really think there was such a beauty in being in, in lobbies and that sort of thing for that reason, because sometimes you just, every day you're doing it. Like I remember Greg said once, why do you have high heels and a blazer on? This was in lockdown. I said, I, I need to like feel like the character a little bit because, you know, I was just churning out all this stuff all the time. And actually, fortunately, we were able to work during, you know, we had voiceover studios. But I said, you know, I just can't do it in my sweats every day. You know. uh, Yeah, it's a slippery slope. (laughs) Right, right. It's so true. The mom sweats, you're in the minivan and all of a sudden, (laughs) uh oh, I better head back to Wichita. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So let's try this other one. I usually just do one, but we'll try this other one. Um, This is kind of interesting because it's a, can you set the scene for us? It's called Boring Victorian Times. Boring Times. It's like they're talking about, it's for, it was a dish TV and it's Mm -hmm. just like uh, we're watching, um, Victorian life was actually boring. You you know, when you see the stuff on TV, it thinks it's interesting because the period drama was actually back then. There was nothing for them to do. Right. <laughs> so it's like, uh, yeah, so that's what, kind of what's happening here. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was, it was also very proper, I think. You just yes, didn't indeed. talk about certain things. Yes, we didn't do this in the Ozarks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Josephine seems to be coming along on the harpsichord. Indeed. Did I tell you the Viscount got a new powdered wig and fainting couch? Yes, yes, you did. He put the couch in the parlor, if I'm not mistaken. Indeed. Do you need a new powdered wig? No, thank you. This one is fairly new, unless you feel it's wanting in some way. No, no, it's nice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Let's just do that from the top because... Yes. Yeah. So this is one that just doesn't come natural to me because I, I know what I want to do. So it's like... Right, right, right. Trying to do this guy, you know. Josephine seems to be coming along on the harpsichord. Indeed. Uh, did I tell you the Viscount got a new powdered wig and, and fainting couch? Yes, yes, you did. He put the couch in the parlor, if I'm not mistaken. Indeed. Do you need a new powdered wig? No, thank you. This one is fairly new, unless you feel it's wanting in some way. No, it's nice. Oh, thank you. And I think there's that thing too, like I was going for, you know, they sit so proper and there's long pauses in a way, which is always challenging. There needs to be an urgency to speak, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like that courting feeling, you know, there would be the husband and wife or the count and countess and yet they seemed kind of awkward with each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sort of the tough thing with commercial copy and stuff is you got you're telling a story in thirty seconds, right? As to right. An hour and a half. 
you know, I see these movies with Daniel Day-Lewis and people like that, and they have these long pauses, and even when right. I watch Ozark and, some, and Secession and some of my favorite shows on television, they get to really take their time, you know. But this is like, you know, an episodic TV moves along at a much faster right. rate. So you get right. to know that. And then what has helped me, and I saw this when I would see, like, uh, videos of people who are doing big animation movies, and they really use their hands because if you yes. use your hands and stuff in your body, although you got to stay close to the mic, it changes the way it comes, you know. Oh, I yes, I always say give, give the animator something to draw mm-hmm. and that you can hear this or that. I just use both my hands or you can hear quotation marks, right? It's exactly, it's exactly true, yeah, and I used to never do that. I'm just, I'm just acting from my mouth. But then I go, oh, yeah, you get, you know. And it's helped me on on-camera acting as well. Right. You know, because, you know, because I've studied, like, all sorts of acting techniques from Meisner to method, all this kind of stuff. And there's a part that be still and, you know, kind of. A thing. Right, right. Um, you just got to find as an actor what works for you. Right. You know, uh, I coach actors. I'll, I'll speak at seminars and stuff. And I said, you don't necessarily have to do what I'm, I'm just saying what worked for me. Right. And it was over a long period of trial and error. Right. You know, I've tried things. I failed miserably. And I go, oh, I wish I could do that over again. But I put that in the back of my head. Okay, that doesn't work. But this works. You know, over a period of time, you kind of. Not to sound actory, but because it's going to sound actory, but you yeah. have your uh, actor's toolbox that you kind of put stuff in. That, well, you do. You do. Yeah. And also, I mean, the conditions, and again, sounds kind of actory, but I think sometimes people don't realize the conditions we're working in. So I say, you know, at two in the morning, you may not, that might not work for you quite as well as it usually does. And you have to draw upon something else. And I think that's where experience can really. Um, mm, yeah. Like say if you have a crying scene, you have to right. be the master for five takes, and then uh, 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 your part scene partner's close up, then you're close up. You know that might be fifteen takes where you have to you know cry, and uh, sometimes you have to like come up with other things. But uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, it's problem well, solving, isn't it, Kathy? Kind of pardon. It's, it's problem solving. Yes, you know? it yes. really is. And yeah. That's so true. And then also, you know, really getting into these characters' skins a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I don't know, it's it's interesting when you have the time to do that. And I, I think that's one thing about voiceover now and definitely on camera, which I'm a big believer. I hear that all the time that it can help. One can help the other and vice versa is um, that, just using the doing of it. Don't you think just you, I mean, I know I, you and I worked on a project and I remember it just had been a while since I'd done that particular thing. You know, I I felt so rusty and there were times where that would have been nothing, you know, and now I've been doing so much voiceover and just, just throw it at me. Right. So it get rusty. Yeah. It's working. It's like, I know a lot of people don't like to take acting class and uh, I get it. But the thing with acting class is you get to work. Right. right? So, and you do get rusty. I I just worked with Frances Fisher. who's a very great, you know, she's a great actress and she had worked in a while. She told me she was rusty and I get the same way. But, um, I look at, I kind of equated to this. I, I played basketball all my life. And I shot a million free throws, practice. I'm shot right. a million free throws. 
But if they were to take me on a basketball court right now and shoot free throws, it probably wouldn't look too pretty because right. I haven't shot free throws. Now, you give me a week of just constantly shooting, that's going to be okay. What's well, the same with acting? Because you and I, we can go in class or get together with other actors and you work out things. And also it takes a little bit of the nerves away and you just right. do it. And it's, uh, it's experience, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um, the nice thing is it is a bit like riding a bike. It comes back. Yeah, Sometimes exactly. you just have to breathe and go, okay, it's there. Yeah. So. And you, you forget stuff. Go, oh, I didn't think about this. Oh, I didn't think yeah. about this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and but, it's such, oh, go ahead, Brent. Sorry. No, but I was just saying, it's really shooting free throws. It, I've done it a million times and I get right back to it, but I need a little practice. I need a little practice. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, really one of the, things that's similar to sports, I think so wonderful is the teamwork of artists and particularly on a film and everything. So people are really there for you for the most part. It's that one of the things I like about directing is I'm sort of a conductor. You know, I've got mm -hmm. my trumpet players, I got my violinists, I got my percussions, I got all this stuff. So it's the makeup department, it's the production department, it's wardrobe, it's the grips, electric, it's right. everybody. We're all coming together as one to create something special and it is the teamwork. And so I directed a film in Kansas city and I had like 250 extras at a wedding. And a lot of people I called that I went to college with that live in Kansas city said, Hey, you want to come down and be an extra? And they go, oh, okay. And so it was all day long and they would go, you did all this and it's going to be five seconds and all that kind of stuff. And I, yeah. and I told uh, my uh, director or director of photography, I said, these guys are going to kill me for this. You know, they didn't sign up for being here all day. Right. And to the person, after they were done, they came up to me and they go, now I know why you love it. Because they, uh, they just all, of course, now some of them want to be actors. But it's like, that's yeah. harder than you think. But <laughs> they love because it's, you know, it's it's a community. It's everybody right. coming together to do this thing. And right. uh, it, it's just, you know, it's beautiful when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. We're the only ones that want to work on our birthday. That's what I always say. <laughs> we, I we're her, thrilled to work. This doesn't go too well with my wife, but I said, okay, if I can have a vacation in Maui and stay at the Four Seasons Hotel in Maui or do a film in Bakersfield, in Indian Bakersfield, I'm driving up the, the grapevine to Bakersfield. Yeah. <laughs> not to put Bakersfield down. That's where my mother grew up, so I'm not putting <laughs> Bakersfield down. But that, and, and I'm not saying that to be, you know, it's, it's true, you know, I would, because it's, uh, you know, that's what I, you know, I want to do. Yeah, you're doing what you love. And there's a good chance nobody will see that movie that I did in Bakersfield. Mm -hmm. But it's the experience and this thing, you know, and it's just like, I would rather do that than lay out the beach and drink Mai Tais. Um, I can do that later, though. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's what's, that's when I guess, like anything, uh, it's so nice to when you've had a job. And you can you can go on vacation because we never know, and that's when it's really fun, is oh, to relax yeah. because I, you I, just ugh. I've had the worst jobs in the world to try to support myself while I'm doing this. You know, working at a factory, this, that, and the other, and I don't like go. Oh my god, I got a job. I'm working at the factory. Right. You know, right. it's like no, it's like I got a job. You know. I can, yeah. And then you go to work at eight, and you're checking your watch at eight oh five, and I go, oh, I've still got seven hours and fifty five minutes left. Yeah. But, when you're acting, it's like, we really are excited that you got a job. Right. You, know, you see these people on Facebook or Instagram, I booked it, you know, it's like. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
And we're excited for each other too. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. like, you don't have to be jealous of somebody else's work and there's enough jobs for all of us, you know, be happy for them. This right. wasn't your job. Even if you read for it, your, your job is going to come be prepared for it. Yeah. Right. Be prepared yeah. all the time. That's for sure. And, and yeah, I think delight in, and it's like, oh, great. I get to watch Brent on The Rookie. And mm. I'm just bummed that Smitty, well, I don't know if I'm bummed that Smitty didn't win because I don't know if he was the best candidate. But, <laughs> <laughs> well, but he sure was fun to watch. Well, and kept, you know, of course, I knew what the outcome was, you know, and I'm posting the vote for Smitty and I knew what was coming. <laughs> In fact, the first day that we're shooting when I got the script, I go, Oh, so Smitty's running against Nolan, who's the star of the show. Yeah. He is the rookie. Uh, <laughs> I kind of think I'm not going to win, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, That's fun. They drag it out, but uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been fun. Well, I look forward to seeing what uh, happens with the character as the season continues and also look forward to um, seeing some of the films that are coming out. And it sounds like an exciting time for you, Brent. It is. It, it really is. You know, we go through seasons, you know, right. and uh, in this business and sometimes your work is coming and all is great. And then, you know, there's the rough times, you know, right. you know what it is and you got to write it out because in this business, I think more than anything, what gets people out of the business is they just, you know, have to get a few rejections and you go through the bad seasons that you give up. Right. And, uh, you know, what, what's the thing that they say? The difference between a hero and a coward is the hero stays five minutes longer. Oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. So it's like there's times, you know, you, you can give up and it's just like, nah, write it out, write it out. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Perseverance is what I was thinking, but yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kathy, how many times have we been told no? Oh, man. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And, and maybe not even told no, just never heard anything. <laughs> After they talked about what your available dates are, and you're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you hear from your agent, you talk to your agent. Oh, did they go a different direction? No, they went your direction, just not you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's always nice when I hear, oh, they went, I remember one job, they went a really different direction. I was like, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, really different. And I was like, okay. <laughs> that that was nice, though. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> All right, Brent. Well, it's been wonderful. Kathy, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds uh, great. We'll continue these stories when we get together in person. Absolutely. Okay, so long. Thanks for tuning in. We hope Brent's story was informative and inspirational. Don't forget to check out a few of California's best wines from our sponsor, Frisco Cellars, home to some world-class Cabernets, including my private label, In My Voice Cab, some ports, and another one of my favorites, a white cab they call Blanc de Rouge. Visit FriscoCellars.com and type in Voice 15 at checkout for a 15% discount. And visit our Patreon page. Just type in Kathy Grable in the search bar to help support this podcast and other projects. Talk soon and keep listening. In My Voice is a production of Word Merchants Media and is co-produced by Greg Perkins and Kathy Grable. Engineered and mixed by Alex Bogdasarian. 
and I'm Brent Huff, your announcer. For more information on this podcast, our scripted podcast, ebooks, private voice coaching, and more, visit KathyGrableStudios.com. Bye for now.